Welcome everyone to episode two of the How to Pair Beer with Everything podcast. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show thus far. Again, if you want to get in touch with us, you can head on over to nepacene.com. That's N-E-P-A-S-C-E-N-E.com. Shoot us over an email. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, this week, we have a special guest joining us. You'll get to hear from George. And uh, we're cracking into some Lagunitas Hop Stupid, as well as a great collaboration beer between New Belgium and Terrapin called Black is the New Wit. Uh, among that, you're going to get to hear us ramble on about our past lives at Blockbuster Video and reminisce about some of the great times we had there and maybe let you in on a little bit of the secret life behind the veil. <laughs> Hope you enjoy and uh, get this thing started. So I guess we'll just say welcome back to How to Pair Beer with Everything then, uh, round two. And uh, we have a, a guest with us this week. And we have to, we also have to remember, we got to eat the microphones too. I found that one out listening back to the audio. Yeah. You got you to gotta eat these things because, uh, yeah. All right, I guess I'll move a little <laughs> <forward> then. <laughs> hint, hint. Get a little so we got uh, George sitting down with us, another fellow beer lover. And we uh, cracked open a bottle of Lagunitas Hop Stupid, uh, a really solid double IPA. What's really nice about this one is, as far as bang for your buck, one of the best ones you're going to get out there, because typically you see this for about four ninety nine, about every, pretty much everywhere you look. Uh, I've seen it for even cheaper at times, but I never really trust those. Sometimes it's uh, past its prime when you see it marked down a little bit. But uh, for what you're getting out of this, the 8% alcohol claims 102 IBU, so fairly hoppy. May not be able to perceive all 102 IBUs. That's been uh, disputed over time, but a really solid double IPA. George, since you are the fellow beer and new guy, <laughs> what do you think? You know, honestly, I don't, I, the whole IBU thing, I really couldn't get if it's, you know, 100 to 2. Maybe it's, you know, between 80 and there. Yeah. Uh, bang for your buck, you are definitely right about that. I've, I've bought it for four ninety nine, five, six bucks. So, I mean, it's a really solid 22-ounce bottle for, you know. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that. It's a 22-ounce bottle instead of what I'm saying, 489. You're getting a bomber bottle out of that. And that's what's great at Lagunitas, too. I will say all their stuff is always very reasonably priced. You're getting some really big beers for 5 bucks generally, and their rare stuff, I, I very rarely see anything go over $10 for them, even in their bigger ones. But uh, just a really solid double IPA, kind of really, to me, very summery, very light, very lively, maybe vivacious even. But uh, just a really good summer beer. But at the same time, not too summery because when you think of summer beer, you want something a little lighter. This will knock you, knock you on your ass <laughs> if you're going to try to do do some yard work and drink a bottle of this. You're not going to get too much of the yard work done because <laughs> uh, the eight percent will sneak up on you because it's definitely in there. You don't taste it too much, but uh, it'll it'll haunt you if you let it. It's got a nice bite to it. Though. Yeah. Yeah, this is one that I would say if you're kind of new into the IPA thing, you don't want to dive into this head first. This will, this will set you back a little bit because that's the one thing I've seen it happen on the show before. Uh, people taking a sip of the IPA and they never had one, and they have that those old stupid commercials, the bitter beer face. Is that is that guy dead? 
Remember that guy? Like, it's the Krilla's lip over. Yeah. Is he dead? No. Uh, I'm actually not sure. Hmm. I, I, I think I think he's uh, you know living in downtown Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was the guy in the remember the Dorney commercials, the creepy dancing. Oh, with the suspenders. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that was actually a woman? Yeah. Yeah, that was a woman, which made it like far creepy. Like yeah. Yeah, which made it far creepier that that is that was a woman. Yeah, it's a little offsetting now that you think about it. Well, I don't know which is more offsetting, the Burger King, or <laughs> the weird. Actually, they're bringing the Burger King back now, so I guess it wasn't well, too off-putting. The Colonel Sanders is the new thing everybody's talking uh, yeah. about now because it's uh, uh, Daryl Hammond, which a lot of people don't know. That yeah. Him, but uh, he he has this kind of weird, you know, creepiness to uh, the way. Yeah, he, he kind of comes him. across like a, a pedophile pushing chicken. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. I, I, I noticed when I first saw the commercial, I thought that. I'm like, is that Daryl Hammond? Yeah. And I went and looked it up. I like just tried Googling it, and I'm like, holy crap, that is him. And my first thought was, did he fall far and needed money, or did they just offer him so much that he couldn't say no? And I still don't really know which the answer is to that. But, yeah, the, the commercials for that have definitely – and I guess a lot of people are really unhappy that are uh, – I guess KFC aficionados, if you, <laughs> if there is such a thing. It, it's it's. I had to guess why they went in this direction. It's probably the same reason they went in the direction with like the creepy king and stuff like yeah. that, where it's like they're trying to get you to talk about it, so they're gonna do something that they think is weird. Yeah. Or, or like, <laughs> it's like you know a bunch of old people in a room trying to figure out like what makes a viral video work. You know, when it's a, a very organic thing <laughs> yeah. that, like, you can't really predict or, like, manufacture or create in a, in a boardroom. But, you know, these people, they just kind of sit there and come up, well, okay, what if we did this? And what if we tried that? And take a little of what we see successful here and what we see over here and put it together. And it just feels like that. It doesn't feel like it's not organically funny in yeah. any way. Like, it doesn't feel like, like uh, you know, a commercial where you're like, oh, okay, I get what they're doing. You, you picture either a big fat guy with a cigar or a confused old man going, what do the kids think is funny? <laughs> and that's yeah. how they come up with that's it. Pretty much it. And then, yeah. then it's like, all right, put it out there. Nope. And it's just, but it doesn't seem like it's as, uh, it's working as much. Because no, I, I think KFC is so tarnished that I, I don't know how, I don't think they, they could come up with the, craziest most viral worthy thing and people are still going to understand oh it, it's for kfc i'm gonna get diarrhea <laughs> like that's pretty much the end of the story with that one and uh this week's episode is brought to you by kfc <laughs> but uh yeah but the, it's it's interesting to see like where all the commercial stuff and everything is going and you see i was thinking about that before um i don't remember what there was a another commercial for some cidery or something. And I'm, I'm waiting for the day when we start seeing like craft breweries. I mean, other than Sam Adams like that, I mean, a lot of us kind of forget like they are still a craft brewery, but uh, I'm waiting for more craft brewers to kind of start seeing commercials from them, like a brewery like Lagunitas. It's like a larger brewery like this start to see them advertise because they're starting to get into NPR and you hear them on uh, a handful of, I think, I don't know, wait, wait, don't tell me. And there's a couple handful of NPR shows that they Lagunitas sponsors, but I'm waiting to see these start to get into the national spotlight having commercial advertising because they're starting to get the revenues now. And it'd be interesting to see how they market themselves. Yeah. Because it's like that's a totally different selling point and how are you going to get the average person? Well, it's been interesting to see how, uh, you know, like, like, like Budweiser is a great example mm -hmm. of how they've changed over the years where, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, I went 
to the Made in America Festival and uh, in Philadelphia. And they had a big craft beer tent, and they had these craft brewers from all over the country that were, you know, you sampled their, their different brews, and then uh, you filled out a little card of what you thought were the best ones. And then whoever got the most votes, they, the uh, Budweiser would actually distribute them, you know, like would, would help them out and, and get their stuff out there. Really cool. And so it seemed like, okay, Budweiser's catching on to the fact that craft brews are taking off and they really need to get on that bandwagon mm-hmm. already and they don't really have stuff like that. So it makes sense that they would, you know, go in that direction. And, you know, it's good publicity for, you know, these people. So, of course, they're going to jump on. So they've got the craft brewers on their side now. And then you look at their direction with the Super Bowl commercial. This past year. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> and it's, they obviously, that, that initiative must have failed miserably. Yeah. It must have just fell flat on its face and now they're like oh fuck craft brewers you know fuck fuck those people those people are you know a bunch of uh you know mustache twirling <laughs> hipsters who uh, you know don't really you know they don't get what real american beer is and stuff like <laughs> that and it's, it's the total opposite yeah and that was my favorite thing about the way that they're trying to market themselves is this American brew. And it's like they're not american anymore they're not no, american no. owned right. and that's the funniest thing about it and it's like that's and the the worst part with all of that commercial was that came on the heels of them purchasing a fairly large craft brewery, Elysian. <laughs> and it, it was awful because it was a hostile takeover mm-hmm. of the company. Like they came in and um, basically bought out everybody else and pushed the owner to the side and he didn't want to sell. Then weeks later, that Super Bowl commercial comes out. And just shits all over him. And, like, he had to come out and, and basically he had to – and he was already taking enough heat. I mean, it's like when when that happens now, like we talked last week about, like, how, you know, the culture around craft beer has that kind of nerdy following of, like, loyalists and I want, you know, local craft mate. And so you, when you sell out like that to them, how they see it, it's not a business thing. It's you sold out just like a band going to a major label and all that crap we all saw – and they was already fighting against all of that. And then you have that happen. And he was trying to defend his decision to everybody. Well, not even his decision. He was trying to, to somehow defend and save face on what happened. And then nationally on the Super Bowl, you shit on them. Right. That That's beyond like a poor business decision. And they wound up having to backtrack from it in a lot of ways. And a lot of crap breweries shot back right away at them. Yeah. And they've like had to backtrack, but I think they're slowly starting to try again in a less uh, obvious way because they're starting to run some other commercials now that are a little more subtle. Yeah, it's not as like blatant, but it's still kind of getting that dig. Yep. And but it's sad because really what they're trying to do is just get in on the market share by being you know they're they're basically the guy at the old hardcore shows in the back of the room with his arms crossed <laughs> and just saying this sucks <laughs> and and then trying to get the friends <laughs> and like you it doesn't work both ways you kind of have to pick your side i i don't it's not going to be over by a long shot cuz i mean with the way craft beer has been going they have in 5 years tripled their market share I mean, like, yeah, and that's with, and that's during a recession. That's during all the stuff going on, and they're they're growing. There's more craft breweries around now than there's ever been, and and it continues to grow. And you know, people keep saying there's going to be a, a bloodbath. I think uh, Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head came out and said there's going to be a bloodbath soon. And 
you can see that in some ways because there's only so many taps at a bar and how far does a brewery want to distribute and what so there's going to be issues of shelf space and all that but what's going to end up happening probably is it's going to fall onto itself and then just kind of be a local thing like a local brewery distributing locally and that's really how it's going to sustain it there's going to be a ton that fall off that are just not good or they or they get bought out and then people just don't want to buy them anymore because that's the other thing you see as soon as someone sells they're done and that just comes back to that you know loyalty that because we all we all george when when, when were you born 1982 okay oh we're all the same age back in the day yeah so we all we all know what the 90s were like (laughs) and and that was when that whole backlash we saw start with against corporations and against all this stuff that was going on and you start hearing that term sell out because i just remember being a kid and you heard that and it was funny when we were like to think back we were that young and we're saying that like we didn't fucking we didn't even own anything <laughs> and like you have all these kids calling these bands and stuff sellouts and it's like you don't even pay your parents rent like what what right do you have to to call someone a sellout like you don't even have a job like i remember working down at a uh, county seat remember county seat yeah yep, i worked at county seat wow. at the viewmont mall i used to fold jeans <laughs> when i was 16 and it was like that was my shopping money and then the man shut us down <laughs> <laughs> we, we went out of business. <laughs> Damn the man. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like that's where all that really started was that whole mentality. I think that's why you see a lot of that in craft beer because the people that are drinking it legally are have grown up throughout that right. and have, have only known those things. And it's funny because uh, that whole idea is, is flawed in itself because, you know, obviously if a band wants to grow and bigger and that sort of thing you know they they had to you know in the old days at least had to get on a major label and yeah. things like that so i mean what was the goal supposed to be did they fail you know did they not get an, a bigger audience did yeah. they not reach more people i mean the whole reason you get into music in the first place is to share it with as many people as you can so you're not going to get those opportunities to fly all over the world and stuff like that you know without that kind of backing so i mean you know you give and take and I mean, the, the, but, you know, we've just seen that, that change so much in our lifetime, too, where now, you know, the, the major label is dead, more or less. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of doing it on their own now. And it's, you know, Kickstarters and things like that and stuff. So, you know, maybe that came out of that as well. Yeah, I think there there's a lot, like, within that, just where we've gone. I mean, everything that was, like, it, it's funny because it's like, when we grew up, the term, you know, for music, alternative was the generic all-encompassing thing and now it's kind of indie it's kind of this all and like what does that even mean anymore like what is like an independent thing like i mean as far as business wise there is a difference but as far as tagging something as indie that's kind of lost its cachet right it's it's this broad genre term yeah that you can pretty much put on anything so in that i think it kind of hides some things that have been going on that's what's causing people to become more aware because you know, something's being tagged as indie, but it's put out by a major label. or And it just kind of started to break away at the trust people had, I guess. I don't know how, if I want to really say trust. I don't know if people trusted them, but right. what they believe to be true is kind of changing. And that's having a direct effect on these things because now people don't believe anything. And it's funny to think because we have more information at our fingertips now than when we were in high school. And half of well, not even half, 75 to 85 percent of its bullshit and lies yep. 
So it's like it's just so funny to think like anything we could think of, I can go on Wikipedia and find it, and then you know it's just made up. Yeah, yeah. it's like okay. (laughs) And a lot of stuff, you know, like to be fair, you know, they try and edit it as much as they can. Yeah, try to go in and fix stuff, Uh, but you know, they they can't do it all. Helen Keller's page will always be updated to have some type of reference, but (laughs) (laughs) I remember going on one time. I don't remember for what reason, and, and it said on there, when Helen Keller was 16, she fell in a well and screamed her hands off for help. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just always remember that, thinking, that's great. That that's, that's someone out there who doesn't know who that is. I hope they stumble upon that page and have used that in a book report or a report on her at some point and said that in a class and was ripped to shreds by their teacher and genuinely did not understand what the problem was. <laughs> it's like uh, someone going as far. Um, there used to be a website. It might still be up. It was just called Helen Sim- HelenKellerSimulator.com, <laughs> and it was just a black screen. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody actually went out, got the domain, and just... That's what you call a genius. <laughs> I miss those old days, but you used to buy up like the most ridiculous dot-coms yeah. and then just... Sit on what was there used to be cow or for no furniture porn that was I think it was furniture I think is what it actually was and it used to just be did you ever, have you guys ever seen furniture porn it's probably still somewhere but people would take like or people would just probably oh, just one lonely guy and put like one couch on top of another couch and take a photo or put an armoire and an ottoman together in a position and take a photo yeah those those are the days those those days of the internet I think are sadly gone. Oh, happening um there's a gay couple in florida that have jeb bush's uh, oh domain. i did see that yeah and they won't sell yeah, yeah that was the best thing that. Uh, that was the best slap in the face yeah <laughs> and they've had it for years yeah, they're waiting on it. they just parked on it like as soon as i think they they said they bought it when george when gw was in i think they bought it yeah. because they kind of had the assumption that this is where this is going so. yeah oh yeah there was no debating i saw a thing someone posted the other day it said Jura- there's a Jurassic Park movie, it's number one in the theaters. The Bush and Clintons are running for the White House. Oh, well, there was a third reference. Star Wars coming out. Maybe that's what there was. There was some other third reference to the '90s, and just like, what decade is this? Yeah. And it just kind of like dawned me, like, holy shit, yeah, I didn't really. Oh, the Terminator. Too. Oh, that's what it is. The Terminator yeah, movie coming out. That's what it was. Next month. Yeah. I'm actually pretty excited for it. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with it. You know, I mean, it, it can't be any worse than three. I didn't even see the last one. Yeah, I didn't see the last one. Three, three. I, th- I think I saw that in the theater. And uh, the funniest thing with the third one that's still enjoyable to watch is Chris Hardwick in it. Because he was fat Chris Hardwick in that movie. Because <laughs> I remember going to see that in the theater. And, like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't listen to, to Nerdist until, like, recent time. Like, I didn't know all the shit he was going through and, like, what he. And when I went to see it, I'm like. Wow, that's the guy from Singled Out. <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and then I started to hear everything. And I'm like, oh, now I feel kind of bad because like he was in a real bad spot. Yeah. But it was just like I, that's the one standout thing from that movie. And I remember thinking the the female Terminator was attractive. Christiana Loken. Zach, I remember who. I remember I don't the know time. Why I remember. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> it came right to you too. <laughs> Think we know what's in George's room. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> it gets lonely at night. <laughs> I just, I just remember going to see it and it's like, uh, all I remember that one was the end and like, the hell? Like, I, I hate seeing movies where it, it obviously seems that 
the director just or the writers and everybody involved just kind of went, oh fuck, now what? Uh, who put him in this room and we'll have some weird thing happen on the outside world and we'll wrap it up. <laughs> it's like that doesn't. And it's like certain direct. Like I remember, like we we're, were talking about like Fulci and stuff like like old Lucio Fulci films. He could wrap that up, and you could sit there going, "What the fuck just happened?" But you'll remember it, and it won't put you off the movie. Right. You'll just know, all right, I don't know what happened, and you'll. And I remember like the first time seeing The Beyond, and it's funny to say, but that is probably the the movie that he had that has the most logical conclusion. <laughs> Because when you actually find out like his intention behind it and everything, and then George, you saw the Beyond. You've seen that, haven't you? Unfortunately, no. Oh, I'll have to let you watch my. Do you have a Blu-ray player? Yes. Okay, I'll let you. I'll let you. Oh, did you watch the movies I gave you? I haven't yet. Damn it. Which movies? I gave a Madman, and uh, what else did I? Give? Oh, um, Sinister. Sinister. Yeah. Nice. Um, but the Beyond. It's funny. You, you've you've seen it. We talked about it last week. Yeah. The the end of the beyond. This won't spoil anything for you, so I can say there as they're walking. You know all those people that are laying there. Did you ever hear the story about that? No. Uh, they were all homeless men that he paid by giving them a shit ton of booze <laughs> to strip naked and lay there. <laughs> and everybody, the, the actors, like, I'd do this for yeah, <laughs> lay naked with another grown man. What the hell? Why not? <laughs> and beer. <laughs> well, I had that penciled in for tomorrow. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess I can do that today. I'll just rearrange this with homeless Jimmy over there. And, but uh, yeah, they—they—that's what they did. They paid him with alcohol and just had them strip naked and lay still as possible. And uh, the actors complained how they smelled horrible and all these other issues. But anyway, that was a digression. Uh, but yeah, the, the, those kind of movies, like a lot of the Italian horror movies, they had no logical conclusion whatsoever. It just kind of ended. But you didn't feel cheated. And that's what I think feels different now is like it felt more earnest in like whether maybe they did run out of money. Maybe they couldn't shoot the intended ending because it was just budgetary constraints or whatever other reason. But versus the ones you see now where it's a cheat. And like that's what it feels more like is it's just a total cheat of, oh, I don't really give a shit. Let's just end the movie. Like that's what it comes across as and it comes across more as lazy. Or, you know, now now the, the, the trend is, you know, let's just leave it uh, as open to a sequel as possible. We have to build it yeah. up into a franchise. Everything has to be a franchise. Yeah. So the idea is just, you know, let's leave it on a, a note where it's like something's going to happen and then we stop so that you have to, you know, see the next film and stuff like that, which is stupid because, you know, a lot of the, the, the best films that, you know, continued from each other, they had a definitive ending. Yeah. You know, they they, they might have had a, a, a loose thread or something that they could have built off. I mean, look at the original Star Wars. Yeah. You know, it has a definitive ending. They blow up the Death Star, you're happy. So if nothing ever came of it ever again, say, okay, well, Darth Vader's still around somewhere. He's, you know, you can assume he didn't die at the end. But, I mean, other than that, you know, it, it, it's a definitive film that has a beginning, middle, and end. But, you know, there was just that one or two loose threads where you're like, okay, well, I'm sure the Empire isn't completely defeated, or, you know, I'm sure Darth Vader's still floating around there somewhere in the ship. So it, then it logically leads to yeah. the sequel, you know, because it warrants it, not because you're forcing it on it. Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing. I mean, think about how many standalone originals. Like, if Nightmare on Elm Street 
never had all those sequels, that would be one of the best horror films ever made. Like, like people would just still remember that as being one of the best because Freddy was scary as shit. It, there was no comedy in that. It was really dark. He was killing teenagers, and and this is like in in non in a non uh, like Friday the Thirteenth. It was. The same thing with that, but it wasn't nearly as scary. It didn't have that, like, it wasn't affecting your dreams. It wasn't all these real, like, illogical sequences. Like, there was no dream logic like they had in that. Like, that's the scariest stuff when you get into that whole dream logic thing. Because it, it can go anywhere and you have no idea what's going to happen. And that's why I think a lot of those, like, Italian ones had it on their side. And that's what they always argued, at least you read, that they were going for dream logic. Which is kind of fairly open-ended like way of saying like i don't know what the fuck i was doing i just was you know throwing stuff together but that's you know you see that a lot of those original ones if they were standalone they didn't do all those sequels it would be a totally different movie it would be remembered totally different because some of them they just ran right into the ground and took away this i mean especially in horror like that's where we see it the most like I'm gonna be. I wanted to see. Um, did Insidious three come out? I think it's out, or is it not out yeah, yet? It's, it's out. Is it out now? I, I want to see just to see how they did it, because it's that's not James Wan doing it now. It's the guy that's in, that's doing it has been involved with him, but I just want to see where they went with it because I liked the first one a lot. Um, the second one was good, but that went into that kind of weird dream logic. That whole phasing kind yeah, of. Yeah, it just kind of started. But they were pushing it. But it was interesting because I initially thought, okay. They're just going to rehash the first one because how do you build on that? That was so different and out there. How do you build? So they kind of had to go a different route. That's why I want to see where they go with the third one to see how that spirals into things. But I mean, that that's it, it hasn't so far, it hasn't ruined, but it's like if you wind up going one too many, you're done. Like once you get to the point where your character is like, when you go to see a Friday the 13th movie, nobody jumps when Jason comes out. As much as they tried in that new right. one to like, it, it, you don't jump. There's no fear of that. It's a comedy. Same thing with Nightmare on Elm Street. I didn't even watch the remake. I don't know if you guys watched the. Did you watch the remake? It wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't you know the best, but yeah, I just I watched it just because of uh, the main actor in it. I can't Jackie Earl Haley. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's he, a great actor. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, it just it, it's. Uh, it's so hard for any actor, no matter how good you are, to replace somebody who's just been playing a role for decades. Yeah. You know, you just, it's, it, I think, you know, one of the only recent examples of that that I've seen is that's been successful in my mind is uh, Hannibal. You know, I mean. Uh, oh, the TV show? Yeah. Yeah. You think of Hannibal, uh, you know, you, you think of Anthony Hopkins, and, you know, you don't, he wasn't even the first guy to play Hannibal, and he still just, you know, nailed that so well but then you know the later films just don't hold up like silence of the lambs does silence of the lambs yeah. would just be an eternal classic yeah like the other films do not no they were they, they if they were standalone that's another thing a lot of the sequels if they put them out as standalone separate from that they might i mean like there's certain ones of the characters but i mean if they took that storyline and maybe put it with someone else yeah. they might have been amazing films right. but that's the one thing you hear about too behind the scenes a lot of times is they'll get a script and they'll shoehold some part of some previously popular film into this shitty script just to put out a sequel. And that, that's what I, I loved about the, the TV show is that they, they didn't try to yeah. keep referencing the movies. Like, remember the movie yeah. version? How much you like it? 
here's the here's our version of it. You know, it's, it's lower budget, but remember this. It was just it was his own take. It did its own thing. I thought it was beautiful. I can't believe that NBC oh, yeah. canceled it. Well, I can because NBC bought it. Well, I wonder what happened because they're saying I, I heard about it because I, I had never watched it and I kept meaning to and I was like, oh, I'll watch it, I'll watch it. And I heard it was canceled, but I had heard for a while they were kicking around that it might be because they were getting into Silence of the Lambs territory and they wouldn't give them the rights to it. They refused oh, well, to give them the rights. Yeah, there are, there, are, um, there are issues with that where they can't have Clarice in it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the story was going. Where the story is now in, in we're like a couple episodes into season three and they announced that they're not going to continue after season three but the creators already knew this back in season one they had already talked about like we're not even sure why nbc allows us to do the stuff that we're doing yeah on regular tv so we're kind of expecting that at some point we might get canceled and that we're already shopping for other networks so i mean they've made that very clear for a while now so i think it'll get yeah that's what i thought though someone will grab them here's the thing is is when you when you have something like nbc you know they expect you know 10 million viewers a night otherwise to them it's a failure look at something like netflix and uh, i can't imagine like daredevil was considered a success for example and I don't know what the numbers are on. Yeah, I, I can't see it being ten million. Been, yeah. I can't imagine that. That now their low, the lowest rated episode of Hannibal that I'm aware of was like 1.8 million people in one night watching it. So you're telling, I can't imagine that even though Daredevil is, I'm sure, very very successful, that they've had 1.8 million people by now have watched Daredevil. I can't yeah. imagine that because there's there just can't be that many subscribers yeah. who are actually interested enough. To watch the whole, you know, thing of, of Daredevil. Although a lot of people who aren't into comic book stuff really like the show and, and their their take on it. So, and it was a really well done show. So, so good on them. But I, I don't, I, I, I would think that something like Hannibal would do well on that because they're going to get those kinds of numbers, yeah. and Netflix is going to be thrilled to have those numbers. Oh, definitely. MLB yeah. sees that as a failure, which is just. And stupid. that's why you see a lot of the the big networks dying off, and they don't have those shows anymore. Right. Because when they do get them, they it's almost like they don't know what to do with them anymore. Yeah, and that that was I think that was pretty clear. I mean, there was they they, they already uh, I think in the first season they deleted an episode and said they couldn't show it on TV and it oh, was wow. being on the DVD version. You could only oh, wow. watch it on. That was it was it overly it was violent where, or uh, uh, ch- uh, children uh, are uh, uh, are killed or uh, killing, and so therefore we can't have children being killed because right at that time it was like. You know, that's the other thing is these networks fall into the trap of every time something happens in the news, we have to yeah. assume that everyone's going to be offended by everything. And it was right at the time when there was like yet another school shooting or something like that. So it was like, oh, okay, kids dying. We can't talk about kids dying on the show, even though it's a fictional show about yeah. a serial killer who eats people. Like it has nothing to do <laughs> with anything. Oh, I thought we were talking about the documentary Hannibal. I am. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that what's the thing that you look back historically at like other films or TV shows and you wonder what would have happened because you've seen that like films pulled, you know, out of the theaters or not released because something happened in the news, whether it was a shooting or, or, or terrorist thing. And like you wonder like what would have happened if some of these were allowed to exist in their own world right. outside of that? Like would it have been able to flourish without someone going, Oh, people are gonna get offended? Because I, I think that's with being treated with like kid gloves all the time that's why people get so easily like there's people that just get offended about being offended now just for just to be uh, 
it's like, all right, nobody else in the rest of my life listens to me. I am going to complain about this, and people will listen. I was just having this conversation with one of our columnists on the site who did a very extremely harmless uh, story. He, he writes a, a column about uh, his auction business. Uh, he's, he runs uh, the Travel Auction League. Really nice guy. And he sometimes will, you know, kind of vent a little bit, you know, because, you know, anybody who works in business. Oh, yeah. Anybody who deals with. You get a couple of crazies come through every time. Always. So he all he did was he wrote this. It was a really small, quick, like little anecdotal story about these two ladies who come in and they didn't understand what an auction was. <laughs> So they walked around the place and they were like examining things like, why can't we just buy this? And it's like, well, it's going to go up for auction, you know, like this is so you can see what's up for auction. You know, here's how we're going to hold it and stuff. And he had to explain it to them like children and they still didn't get it. Oh and then they walked over to this, this, uh, this kind of like uh, this big dresser and it had a mirror and stuff on it. And, and um, it was one of those old dressers with uh, the two bigger sides and then the middle is kind of lower and mm-hmm. stuff. So she sits on the middle part, <laughs> really, and then oh like God. facing away from the mirror and going, oh. and keeps turning back, going, "How do I see myself in the mirror in the dresser? <laughs> I don't understand how this works." Like really funny story, just like you know, very very harmless. And some woman posts, "I can't," and she she commented on her Facebook and said, "I can't believe that you would post something like this that's so misogynist." How could you hate women like this? You would post something like this, and I'm like, if you take the women out of the story and put two men in, there, yeah, it's still it funny. Has the exact same <laughs> yeah, it's the meaning. same effect. Yeah, and it's not like he was like, oh, look at these stupid bitches. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, it was not worded that way at all. It was like the worst thing he called them was here's dense and denser, <laughs> and that was it. Like that was as harsh as he got in a very harmless thing. But like you said, we live in this culture now where people want to get offended about yeah. everything, and they want to like they, everybody has something that they have to stand up for, and ninety nine percent of the time it's something that's not worth standing. Oh up yeah, for. It, you're just yeah. wasting your breath, and and you're you're getting yourself pissed off, you're hurting your blood pressure. Yeah. And and half the time, the only reason you're getting other people upset is because you're annoying, not because uh, they're like, yeah, you're right, this is an injustice. It's like, oh my god, will you shut the hell up? Like I don't I don't care. Yeah, oh yeah, right and you have a great life. Like <laughs> yeah. if if this is your biggest gripe, like oh my god, twenty cents. They they took off twenty cents. I was supposed to get forty cents taken off of these this box of Fruit Loops. What the? Like just <laughs> stupid things. It's like because we all see it at the grocery store. We see these people like just the stuff that they get upset about. You're like, all right, look, I get it, but now you look like an asshole. Right. And that's at the end of the day, that's what someone's gonna remember, not your social injustice like there's none of that when people are being blatantly mean fine stand up and say something when there's something that's obviously taken out of context or something like that there's no reason like you have to kind of take a step back and just kind of re-examine yourself maybe (laughs) i guess is the best way of doing it like is this really worth getting that angry about well i i got to Oh God! All Did you work at Blockbuster too? Yes, I have. I worked with Rich. He was my that's, manager. That's how I met. Wow! Him. I did not know that. I worked yeah. at the Scranton store for a while. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not. I had a blast. <laughs> we all worked at the Scranton store at one point or another. Um, not at the 
same time. Like, like, cause he, he would fill in there. I do a couple filler shifts. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I worked there for a little while, like toward, towards the end of his days before, I mean, maybe it was a, a year or two, you know, before it closed. And then, um, so yeah, me and him worked at the Dunmore store for, for quite a while. And I think it was m- around probably the same time that you were working at Grand Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I was down there like 2001 and I started. I started right after 9/11 because I just remember that because the that direct TV they always had to have on in the lot in the middle there, yeah. it was just on news all the time and it was just telling me that the orange threat level is on today and then mm-hmm. it's going to red and then it's in burnt umber and then it, and I'm like oh god every day it was just that's the only reason I remember that is those colors. <laughs> so the only reason you remember Blockbuster is from 9/11. Well, when I started. <laughs> Yes, I associate my entire time there to 9-11. <laughs> oh, God. I, I feel like it, it, it was. Like, every day it was a tragedy. Of yeah. Some sort, you know? And, and since, since it's closed, I can now disclose this, that when people were there and they came in, and if they had a late fee, even if it was a dollar, if they were a dick, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to remove this. But if they were a nice person and did not understand, they're like, oh, I'm, I didn't even know what, what was, and they were genuine, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take that right off for you. Right. Not a problem. I had, did not have to go to my manager to ask for that, and my manager did not have a policy that I couldn't remove it. It was chances are, if this happened to you and you didn't get your late fee removed, you were a dick to the person working there. Yep. <laughs> and they always acted if their movie wasn't in on a Friday, oh, yeah. you ruined their weekend. Yeah. yeah, and it was always your, whoever was at the register was always your fault. It's like, no, there's like 20 other people that weren't here. I, Everything I, was our fault. Yeah. Whether the movie wasn't in, whether they brought it home late, you know, like it was just, it was always something. Oh, and then we used to, remember on the, when we'd, screen, we'd scan the movie and, or scan their car and their account would come up and there'd be little notes in there? We used to always put notes about people in there all the time. Oh, and and then uh, a customer member one time, I don't know what I put, if I put they were an, an asshole or something, I put something in there and they saw it. <laughs> Because <laughs> they were like, wait, what's what's this late? And then they peeked over someone's shoulder and went, wait a minute, what what is this? And I I still don't remember how they covered for it, but somehow they covered for it. Wow. And then uh, and then a friend of mine, after I had stopped working there, uh, I was still technically working there, but I wasn't there. <laughs> he used to go in to rent a movie. And every time he would go in to rent a movie, he would punch me in. So I was getting paychecks for working for all these weeks because yeah. he would just go in and he was punch, he'd punch me in while he was looking for a movie and he'd spend like two hours there like talking to everybody and then he'd punch me out and leave. I'm pretty sure that's considered stealing. Yeah, I didn't, but I didn't ever told him to do it. All of a sudden, I got a check, and I'm like, I haven't worked here in months. What is this? And then I I mentioned something when he when he was around me and he was like, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you I was doing. <laughs> Surprisingly, um, you know, because Blockbuster's closed, but there's still a couple stores still open. Yeah, they're like the smaller ones. I think out west, like, there's a lot of them. That's where I, I think they're the ones that are still like independently owned yeah. in some form. Yeah, yeah. Somebody actually posted that on the internet the other day. Yeah, it's it's weird that they they uh, that they even want to keep the name just because like I I get like the brand awareness and stuff, yeah. but like you know most people don't really have great memories when it comes to being a customer there either it was always no it was always you know whether it was you know late fee and and to be fair to the the customers too especially towards the end i came in right at the time when uh, it was right before they did the whole end of late fees thing 
and that was the fiasco that was the beginning of the end of Blockbuster as a company. Oh, easily. It was so it was such a mistake because you know they let you keep the movie out for a month and then they charged you with a year's account, and uh, you know people were like, well that's you know a late fee, and then if you brought it back you'd get a little stocking fee. It was like a dollar something. But I mean even went as far as they got a lawsuit and the guy won because he's like you know you said no fees this is technically a fee. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a dollar or not, it's still a fee, you know, because, you know, that was, that was also at the height of, you know, you could sue for, you know, getting coffee spilled on you and crap like that. So, I mean, like, anything. And it was just, uh, the whole, the whole Blockbuster thing, like, started really going downhill at that point, because every time, they were always doing damage control for their last policy. They'd try to start a new policy that they would think was more fair. And it just made things worse because every time people brought back a movie, you had to explain to them a whole new set of, you know, this is this is due back when, and, and if you don't bring it back, it's this 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 much, and so on and so forth. And by that point, it was like it was too much crap, like to, to deal with, you know. I mean, by that point, Redbox was coming in. Netflix oh yeah. Was coming in. Well, that's where they shot themselves in the foot too, because I remember they had the opportunity to, to get in on that, and they they didn't think it was gonna do yeah, anything. They, they actually could have bought out Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, they they thought it was like a, a fad or wasn't gonna last, and like, oh god. But I, that's it, that's the one thing that's funny is you know we have a whole generation that's never gonna even have a clue of that. I mean, I think at some point there'll be a little more mom pop places will pop up because as we get older, I think like our generation's gonna be one that kind of misses that social connection with stuff, and they're gonna want that nostalgia effect. I think there'll be some stuff that'll pop up, but it won't be anything like that ever again. I think that's what's probably keeping these other stores that you were talking about open is, is you know, I think people like that social interaction. Yeah, like yeah. They like they like knowing that the guy behind the counter is judging what they're renting. <laughs> oh, that was oh, it, easily. Really, I think we we really lived up to that stereotype about like you know the the the, the movie nerd behind the mm-hmm. counter is like mm, you're renting that. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. When someone I remember being there and the the whole wall shelf of uh, Eight Mile with Eminem came out and every time someone had to rent it, it was like oh. <laughs> and then I remember like coming in, like nights I'd come in when it was like popular and just came out and see that it was all rented out and be like really depressed, like oh god, really? But my favorite, my favorite prank I ever did was uh, Blockbuster was anti-pornography, yet they had a ex- very extensive softcore pornography section, well, area of throughout the store. And uh, one of my favorite things was uh, when <laughs> when magazine subscription or the magazines and the new ones would come out. We'd have to throw out the old issues. Well, sometimes the old issues had samples, and sometimes those samples within the magazines were hand lotion. And we also had an extensive amount of tissue sitting around the store. So what we did was we went around to all the softcore uh, pornography films, and in each case, I put some hand lotion <laughs> and two <laughs> tissues. <laughs> so. Wow. Some people out there rented <laughs> some softcore porn, and their night was taken care of for them. <laughs> you really <laughs> yes, I did. I cared about the customers is what it was. <laughs> oh, I used to do so many things that we weren't supposed to. Like, I used to make up movies when people would call in and ask <laughs> what the new movies were. And I, my favorite one is I, uh, I had this whole background story of a movie called A Sphinx Tale. And what this what this movie was about, I still remember it because I still remember going into really because people always ask me like, "What is that?" I never heard of that. 
And uh, my story was about a little person. I'll be more PC now since it's not <laughs> that, that. But it was. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't want anybody getting offended. offended. <laughs> a little person who somehow managed to travel back in time went back to the time when the pyramids were built <laughs> and confused the Egyptians. <laughs> And then I kind of left it to see what the person would react to, and I would either then take it into a full-on comedy or a weird, bizarre horror film, <laughs> just depending on the reaction. And no one, uh, the, the ultimate, though, that did not happen was nobody came in and asked for it. And that was what I was always going for, was I want someone to come in and ask for this movie. Yeah, this sounds really so good. You, you got that Sphinx movie? Because <laughs> I just wanted to hear someone go, what, what the hell did you tell or the other uh, fun. I know we're getting like inside. If people didn't work at a movie theater or a movie rental place, they have no. But the other fun part was when uh, people returned their porn by accident. Yes, we've had that happen. Because <laughs> you have to call and <laughs> leave the message of like, sir, you left uh, your copy of Banging Black Booty in uh, your Top Gun rental. Uh, if you could please bring back. Because <laughs> those are always my favorite calls to hear being made. But anyway, we've got down that rabbit hole fairly extensively. <laughs> well, when Kyle, uh, when the Dixon City store was open for that hot minute. Oh, uh, I worked at that one for a little bit, too. Yeah, that was that was the first one I worked at. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> oh, man. But when Kyle was working there, uh, VHS was still circulating at some point, and someone actually brought in homemade. Ooh, and they <laughs> left it there, and Kyle was the one that obviously saw a tape with no sticker on it. <laughs> I always, you know, what, I was. Yeah, they actually came oh, back for God. it. Uh, well, I think that you would have to. You, you would. Like, you, you would have. You would. I, you know what I would do? Embarrassed as hell. Just, just, just like, oh, you know, it must have been one of my kids' tastes. Like, right. Yeah. You know what you? You know what the best thing to do in that situation would be is to find a good friend that, like, look, if you have a good friend, we all do fucked up stuff. They would understand. You would say, look, this is what happened. Would you go in and get it for me? So at least they can't put a face to who I am. Face to the dick. Yeah. <laughs> Let the movie put the face to the dick. <laughs> but I would at least see if I can get someone to do that. Because I forget. I don't remember what, what show it was. But I remember there was a whole uh, discussion on being a porn buddy. I don't, do not you remember this? I don't, the whole thing was, look, if I die, oh, right. you need to dead. go. You got to go to my house and get all the porn out of my closet <laughs> and dump my hard drive. <laughs> and that was the agreement of being the porn buddy. And I, I don't remember what that was now. I feel like it's probably some everybody loves Raymond or something. I happened to watch one night or something that I'm not really proud to admit that I saw. That'd be a dark episode. <laughs> <laughs> I never really watched that. that would, I would love to see that. Like those. Do you ever see that? Was it Garfield's Nine Lives? That comic book. Well, the, the book. Remember the books they used to have. They had one called Garfield's Nine Lives. If you look for that, there is. It was such a dark because it goes through nine different lives of garfield like different incarnations and they're drawn differently too but one of them is so dark and and just off-putting because it's so dark because you're going through and it's like oh it's garfield and then there's like uh i can't remember the incarnations, but there's like different versions but they're kind of lovable there was one where he was with an, an old woman and he would sit on the piano and he died that was kind of sad and then all of a sudden, there's this really dark. We went up killing someone, and it, it's yeah, it's like really messed up. And like this was like officially licensed. Yeah, this was a real this, and they actually made a, a television show. I think because I think it was CBS used to air all the Garfield stuff all the time, yeah. and they aired Garfield's Nine Lives. Yeah, it was just like 
he I mean it had to have been because it was the eighties, he must have been coked out of his mind and just been like, Yeah <laughs> and just like went for it. And it's just like it's so weird when you see those things take these subtle dark turns that it's just like, What the hell? Like why did you think that was okay to do? Especially with a kid's book. I mean, I don't mind. I love seeing like dark kids things because I mean, I, th- I think that's hilarious to see that. It's like, wow, because you want to be like see that little kid's reaction. <laughs> that's one of those like forgotten chapter kind of things mm-hmm. where they just went in some weird direction and then came back. And then hope like, all right, maybe no one noticed. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, no, a lot of people, I think, remember that one. It's like those, uh, you know, we were talking last week about, you know, like those memories you have as a yeah. kid that kind of stick with you and stuff like that. And, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, you're questioning your own sanity. Like, did that really happen? Yeah. Or was that something like I made up or, you know, something I had in a dream as a kid? And then like, you know, years later, I'm remembering it out of nowhere and I'm wondering if that actually happened or it, not. It's so weird. It was actually, um, there's another podcast I listened to called Killer POV, which is a really good uh, horror podcast. And... Last week they had some people on. Uh, one of the animators from Adventure Time, and oh, wow. I forget what the other show they were talking, and and they were talking about this stuff. But the one guy brought up this this book, and when he said it, it kind of like clicked with me because I had remembered when I was a kid, I used to get in the the elementary school library. We used to have these books. Um, I don't know what they were even called, but they just had it was like Frankenstein, Dracula. Well, Wolfman, and then they had a Godzilla one that like I took out like probably every week, and I just like tried to like re- get every movie because I was obsessed with Godzilla when I was a kid, and I tried to get like every movie, and I didn't, I couldn't remember what they were. And this guy in the show said like, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I used to take out these Ian Thorne orange horror books, and then he started talking about how there was one about Dracula, and I'm like, wait a minute, and I went and looked it up, I'm like, oh my god. That that's like my, ch- but they're like seventy to a hundred dollars to buy them, wow. but it was crazy because I'm like somebody else. It's like so weird to think like you have these very exclusive unto you childhood memories. You think nobody else would remember it or have experienced these things, or it was just this weird fluke yeah. that you saw, and then you hear someone else mention it, and it's like, oh my god. That's why I love sites like. Um, have you ever been in Dinosaur Dracula? No, Dude, uh, never heard of it. <laughs> All right, you you might yeah, George, you might remember this. Uh, you remember xeentertainment.com? It was like a, a website that the guy was dedicated to reviewing like old like retro nostalgia stuff. Uh, it was mostly like like it, you know cartoons and toys, specifically like uh, all the weird collectibles. Like this guy is obsessed with all the stuff that maybe didn't succeed. Like he loves. Oh, I love the, failed toys. Like, oh wow! Turtles, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, all the, the stuff that we all remember fondly, but then there was all the rip-offs in between and the things yeah. that didn't take off. And Go-bots? Like street <laughs> sharks? Right, street sharks. <laughs> and biker mice, oh from my God. biker mice from or, Mars. Or, do you remember yeah. Food Fighters? I actually, I, oh I still have some of those. I loved Dude, Food Fighters. You know, those are worth a ton of money. Really? Yeah. They're on the package, but I still have. It doesn't, doesn't, you might be able to get, even just for the loose ones. If anybody out there wants to uh, contact. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, obviously the ones in the package. Are like oh, big, God, yeah. You know? You know, some of this stuff is just because it has that factor where you're like, I forgot about this. Yeah, because it was such a one and done. Yeah. I love it. And so he did XE Entertainment for a number of years. And uh, I think the site's still around, like it's still up. But he, he, for some reason, stopped doing that and started doing more of a blog version of it called Dinosaur Dracula. And it's the exact same thing. 
you know, just in a different just a cooler form. name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a, a, a really, a really better name. And uh, you know, he updates pretty much every day. He goes to like flea markets and stuff, and he picks up like the weird stuff that you, that no one else would ever want. Wow. Usually, at, like bargain basement prices, and then he reviews them or talks about them. And just the way that he does, he has such like a passion for like things that are just completely goofy and over the top. He just describes it in such a way that you are passionate about it. Yeah. You love it, you know? And, and especially if you're around the same age, because he's about our age, I would say, maybe a couple years older. Um, so he, w- he, he is able to remember a lot of the things that we remember as a kid. But, I mean, check out his site. It's amazing. You know, he has, you know, Facebook and all that stuff, too. Um, but his website is updated for, on, a, on a pretty regular basis. And his, his writing is fantastic. He's actually got to the point now where he's actually writing stuff for StarWars.com. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, like, he got picked up because, like, so many people read him and remember him over the years because he's just been on the Internet for, like, since, you know, the Internet really took off. And, uh, I mean, I remember reading his site in the AOL days, so, like, it's definitely oh been around God. a long time. It wasn't in job, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, come on, old AOL joke. <laughs> That's all I remember as a kid. It was like that was the funny thing to send a, a, like in an uh, instant message was you know AOL can't read Java. <laughs> that was the whole thing. It's like <laughs> every nerd would start laughing hysterically, and it just kind of became like the underground nerd joke that just still lasts if you're around for those days. I'm still surprised people use AOL. You know what's funny? I I still have an AOL address because I had set up my Amazon account to it initially. And I actually just recently had an issue with Amazon and sent them an e- like sent them a thing to, to refund the thing. And I went to check that email address to see, and it was like wiped out. Like all the messages were gone. So I don't know what happened. I'm like, oh, because I had it since I was 15 years old. I've had that AOL address. And I'm like, I, like, I don't – the thing I wonder more, though, with AOL is how many older people – are still on the pay monthly plan that he used to have to do. Cause you know, there's some that oh, just yeah. never paid attention and just let it go. So they're getting charged like 15 bucks a month to be able to use dial up access to go into uh, the old AOL chat rooms. <laughs> a- ASL. <laughs> that was the best way to go. Oh, hey, God, what's yeah. up? N2M, you? Like. <laughs> and then you, you'd always try to trade picks, and you'd find some pick of some like handsome guy to like send them. Like, oh, okay, well, now uh, you want to send me a you know, topless photo or something? <laughs> like, and you know you were getting something that wasn't legit, and then you'd have to wait an hour for line by line. <laughs> I think it's sending carrier pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the thing. It's it's so funny to think like like that's a thing. It's a that's a total generational thing. Like no one else is gonna get that, or just just even that sound of the dial up modem is just like so ingrained into our head that like I think when we'll be seventy, we'll still remember that. It'll just come right back to us instantly, and it's just like that's a sound that no one else will ever get. Or ever understand like that whole movement of being? Because I remember getting AOL. I was in I think seventh grade when I first. I was like ninety two, ninety three, and I remember getting. I remember it used to pay for like by the was it by the hour initially or something. I think you had to pay for it. I think initially because the disc used to say like sixty hours free. <laughs> the discs. Remember all the discs used to get for free? Oh my god! You use them as frisbees. People used to throw them in the microwave and make art out of them. Because you would get like a seconds in the microwave. Yeah, you would get you would get a CD like like once. Every week you would get another CD, and it it was just so ridiculous. Like that's probably where the company went out of business. It's the amount of money they put in the set because they used to send out the hard drive discs. I remember that that was the initial thing you used to get. 
and then they started sending the CDs and then it just went away and it's just so funny to like see how that went from being like when that was around there was nothing else like you couldn't I remember when net then Netscape came out and was like oh wow look at Netscape that, that lasted for about like a Netscape month <laughs> yeah that was about a month of popularity and then I remember uh, getting my Friendster account I remember I had that and it was like oh my god I'm on Friendster and now like you look back I think it's, I think it still exists Friendster I think it's still around yeah it still that exists it's like, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that we can go back. <laughs> we can go back and just see all the disgruntled youth complaining from that time period. That's what is. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I, I stay away from Tumblr. I really do. Actually, it, it, I just started uh, a Tumblr for NECA Teen because I was like, all right, we're on everything else, yeah. and I've heard it, you know, can send you some traffic. So I'm like, all right, I'll just put it up. I haven't gotten any like reaction from it yet or anything like that, you know, because I haven't really even put anything out i was just i'm doing it more for like google results yeah more than anything else but. you should make a myspace for any <laughs> myspace is still around i it just is. i reopened my account the other day and i still have friends on that's there that awesome are still, they still remember you like yeah they still have all your old stuff did you oh, change yeah. your top eight as soon as you got on <laughs> no I, there's, there's like three people left everybody else just, everybody jumped ship when uh Timberlake bought it. You know, it's so funny when uh, they when they they came out with the code. You could be like, oh my god, I could have a a top sixteen now. And then and that became it was like because I, I still remember that getting like the messages like, why am I not in your top eight? Like, what? That was the shit back then. Like, oh, if I you know, were in someone's top eight. Yeah, that's like, and if it was like somebody that had like a bunch of followers. Like, oh my god, like, I'm somebody now. Look, look at me. <laughs> I'm on Tila t- Tequila's top eight. <laughs> I mean, back then that was. And the comment section was just atrocious. Oh, God. Like, you get that one person, they, they put all the emojis like, oh, add me, add your friends. And, you know, or my favorite is when they, when they do those, uh, like the, whatever, the codes for the bombs, and it would just be dicks over and over and over <laughs> again as many times as possible. So you just see that stuff going on and the scroll stuff. I, I, was, that was, did they call it a message board? What was it when you signed it? Was it a message board when you signed on and like people you could post? Yeah. Is that what they called it? And you, and you always heard like people try to get your attention with some stupid thing and you click on it and it would just be nonsense about like, my day sucked. But you'd think like there was something, it'd be like urgent or something like that, like all caps and you're like, oh wow, what's going on? And you click on it, it's like, you dick. And it used to tell you, uh, when the last, like the person logged in last, it, it oh, would say that's online right. now or, you know, last logged in yesterday, like, and that would always drive. I remember that would used to drive like so many people I knew because they would like message some girl, and then like, oh, she didn't respond to me. I don't know. Should I send another one? And then you know, they have to go and look like oh, she didn't log on. Like, oh, she logged on, but she didn't message me back. Like, what the hell? And like, they, I was like, oh my god, like that was the stuff you strike people crazy. They, they still have that now on Facebook Messenger. You send someone a message, read it, uh, or seen it. Oh, really? You know, eight thirty p.m. and then I, they I don't still respond to like twelve. It's like okay. I, I still I still have not gotten Messenger. Like I'll, I'll I, I just don't. When everything came out with that, I was kind of like, I don't know if I trust this thing. Yeah. So I kind of have held off on it, and I'm like, I don't really message that much on there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like it just because I get too much stuff. Like now, now that I'm running a website, like I get a lo- most of the messages aren't personal. They're yeah, just like people who are asking about they want to be featured on the website, they want this, they want that. That's frustrating because it's like it's your personal account, so like stop messaging me on there. Like send me a real. Email. You hear that, people? Like, you hear that? Be professional. <laughs> like send us a real email. So like a lot of times people get offended. Like you know, oh, I, I sent you a private message and you didn't respond on there. And it's like, 
Yeah, because I got about like six today. Yeah. And, you know, and I've already had all this other stuff that I had to do, you know. So, like, it, it just becomes, it, it, you know, a lot of these things are supposed to make your life easier. But it just makes it more difficult because now you have 100 inboxes. And that's, I think, George's idea of setting up a MySpace account. And that's where if people want to get in touch, well, shoot mean, me a message on MySpace. <laughs> that's hey, well, if, Zingu. If <laughs> <laughs> or no, that's that's the beer. I'm thinking Zang, Zanga. Remember that one? X A N G A dot com. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> that that was the elitist one. Like <laughs> <laughs> you could set up a, a Friendster and a MySpace account, and if people want to get in touch. Then That's how you do it. GeoCities, oh, the GeoCities. Oh, I remember having a GeoCities site. I don't know if Tripod's Tripod. still around. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, Tripod. Tripod. I think GeoCities is. Is Angelfire? Oh, that was another. I don't know. I, my first site was on Angelfire. You know, I don't remember if mine was on Angelfire or GeoCities. I remember the. It's funny when you go back and you think about that. Like, yeah, I remember like putting a website up and it was just like a stupid picture of you. No, and then it was like of construction. Oh yeah, that's their construction <laughs> and the, the guys working all the time. <laughs> Every page, every page, yeah. ever. You learn how to do a page counter, and you're like, "Oh, I know HTML. Like, I, yeah. I know this and that." Like, yeah, I remember having a page counter. When you see it go up, you're like, "Oh my god, someone came to the site. They they now know that I uh, watch movies. Construction. <laughs> they know I'm updating this, and that at some point I have watched movies and listened to music. My life is complete." <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days of putting that. Cause I remember putting, and then you always put it in your uh, AOL profile. You oh, would yeah. put a you link. You had to put a link oh, to your website. Yeah. I forgot about the AOL profile. I just remember that one. That was like the original Facebook stuff because you can go and see in a relationship. You could see all that that detailed stuff and then the nonsense. They, and you always had to listen to list the cool bands that you liked that you know no one else liked. No one, only people that like me really will get this. <laughs> Only the people that get me will want to get in touch with and then, me. You know, with the messenger, of course, you could leave the away messages. So then you had mm-hmm. you know, people left. You yeah. Send away messages. They were usually song lyrics. Yep. You know? Oh, you had to leave song lyrics of some sort. You had to. Yeah. So like when you were sad, it was like you know some sad song, and when you were happy, it was a happy song. It was so funny, like the stuff that people put up. It was so over dramatic. But I mean, you, you see the same stuff on Facebook now and everything. Oh else. yeah. Yeah, because they have the feelings or whatever. Like so and so feels, you know, unappreciated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think we all have that at some point on our thing. <laughs> I think, think everyone's. Everybody That's on my true. MySpace friends list, their occupation, they made two hundred and fifty thousand more. Oh yeah, a year, no, I forgot and, about that. And all their body types were average. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, you could be like 300 pounds body type average that's it I, I remember when i got when i first on myspace got the html to add music to it oh god oh that that was a mind fuck because it was always like oh what do wait what expresses me there's what, one song what a, i have yeah there's only right one now. i have but what, what is it gonna and i was like it would screw with me because i'd always want to change it to this and like oh no i want you know, I want them to know I like this. I mean, go and you have to go and find the HTML, the copy, and put into that. And then you thought your new code because, like, oh, I hit copy and paste. Look at me, because it was just that's all you had to do for all that. But you thought you knew stuff, or you could extend the borders out. Because I remember that was my thing. I had to list like every horror movie I ever saw. That was what I had oh, to do, and it was just like ridiculous. Yeah, it was just ridiculously long thing. I'm like half of these movies I didn't even like, and they had to be alphabetical order. Oh God, yeah. Oh, that was that was the other thing. I think that's definitely part of like a nerd brain thing because that's how I was too. Like my CDs when I had them, it used to drive me nuts because I had my my CD book in the car 
and I had to have everything in alphabetical order. And I bought a new CD. Oh, shit. I had to pull every single thing out, put them all back in, and I just had to go through. And people thought I was nuts. And like my excuse, what always got people to leave me alone was, look, I do a lot of driving by myself. It's easier for me to find it if it's in alphabetical order, which was true, but it was also OCD. <laughs> it was more that than anything, that I had to have it in that order. Blockbuster didn't help that either. <laughs> That's you true. Know, putting movies away all day and, and having to have them in order. Like my, my DVD shelf to this day is still in alphabetical order. Yeah. Mine was until the missus moved in because I had, which I don't know, sometimes I wonder back, like, how did anybody, like, come into my apartment? Because my old living room, when you walked in, I had an original Dawn of the Dead poster, a Halloween poster, and a Misfits poster. I had built an old school coffin bookcase slash DVD case, had all my horror movies on it. On top of that case, I had a skull and the uh, two books of the evil from the Evil Dead series on top nice. of that. That was my living room. <laughs> so she stayed. So I think it's pretty good. You know, yeah, because I had one. I eventually had to get rid of the, the bookcase because she just couldn't stand seeing it all the time. But I also didn't have room for it. So I, I pushed it under that that it was I didn't have room for it. Right. <laughs> yeah, you weren't a sellout. <laughs> that was the one thing I missed too. The working there and with the horror movies, because we didn't have a lot. And I remember people coming in and they would always rent like uh, like Full Moon because we had a ton of the Full Moon horror movies, like Puppet Master, and yeah. and which you know I don't mind them, but it's like no, they're not scary. They're they're not scary. That's the one thing I miss with the Ma and Pa video stores because I remember going to them and like that's where I saw like a lot of weird Italian movies because like they had them for some unknown reason. I don't know what it was. These small mom and pop stores used to get all the Dario Argento and all these like weird. I that's I, it was just like a, a push off or something because I mean we never. I think they had Suspiria. I think that was the one that they had there. Yeah, I think you could pretty much you know you can rely on the fact that they would have you know one or two of those standards. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it was not deeper in the catalog than that. But I, I do remember going, I remember going down to. Uh, the one of the stores and renting uh, Bebe's kids. Remember Bebe's kids? Wow. We don't die, we multiply. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you have not seen Bebe's kids, that is a must-see movie. You will not regret it. And a uh, cartoon series. Did they they made a video game out of it, too. Did you know that? Yes. N- Nintendo was made it. Super Nintendo? No, Nintendo. Oh, regular yeah, regular Nintendo, Nintendo had a Bebe's kids. I, I think you could probably still find it somewhere. I highly doubt that it was uh, a top seller because <laughs> the movie is kind of only known for being sheerly stupid. Right, and, and I mean, I believe it started out as uh, like a, a comedy thing, like a, like a stand-up comedian, yeah. and it was like his bit about... You know, yeah, it's kind of sad because like I, I feel bad for the guy because in my head, I know it's not him, but I always just think, oh, yeah, it's Martin Lawrence. <laughs> like, <laughs> what other popular black comedian from the 90s do I know? Like Chris I Rock, felt, but he's on his own. I would have felt bad for him for Bad Boys too, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. that's... I always... So I know it's not Martin Lawrence. I don't know who it is. I, I want to say Ralph Lewis Harris, but I know he was a uh, up-and-comer in the 90s. I don't remember that name. I was just reading a, a, an article today about like like the 15 like worst comedians and stuff. <laughs> And it was oh like God. a lot of them were just like, you know, the, the, the standard ones that like, you know, uh, you know, you, you had your, your carrot top and your Dane Cook and stuff. But guys like like Sinbad, George Lopez. Is a bad know, comedian? Yeah. As, as and, and like, you know, all right, looking back. Yeah. Maybe some of that. Stuff but Sin, I still like there's something about Sinbad. You know? That's the only way. George Lopez. Yeah, I could see it. It's Sinbad for some reason. 
Like, you know what? He's a good guy. <laughs> I just like something about him is like genuine. Because yeah. I remember he, he had talked about, oh, it was some kind of comedy roundtable or something. He was talking and he said like, you know, you can get as popular as you want, but you're not a funny comedian unless you're riding the bus. Like once you get outside of that, you're not a comedian anymore because you're not in the world. You're looking back on it and you're not in it and you can't be funny. And I, I agree with that. I think that's what kind of always kept Sinbad as like a genuine thing to me because like that is true. Like when you get to that point of, you know, like when Dane Cook first came out, like I thought he was hilarious. That first CD, the first oh, time yeah. I heard it, I, yeah, I loved it. I thought that was the funniest thing ever. But then the problem was, is he, I mean, I don't know him. I don't know the whole, I know there was a bunch of behind the scenes, like his brother like ripped off like millions from him and stuff. Because I remember hearing, like, know that one. yeah, his brother was uh, managing for him or acting managing or accountant, something like that, and was filtering millions and millions of dollars out of him. And he didn't find out till later. That's why he like kind of disappeared for a while because he had to like sort everything out because his whole family just stole from him. Mm-hmm. And um, which kind of made me like, oh, okay, well, I f- now you feel kind of bad. Yeah. But uh, it was just kind of it seemed to me that he bought into that personality that he had set up. Yeah, and yeah. like that arrogance, because it's like Louis C.K. Like his personality and his character of Louis C.K. is not fully him, but still a part of him, and it's self-deprecating. It's not egotistical. Dane Cook's character was egotistical, yeah, and he was that douche guy at the party in college that you always try to avoid. Oh yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of it too is you know, and you see this with bands or anybody else. Uh, it's the the audience that you garnering whether it's your fault or not that ends up having an effect on yeah. your personality too so i mean you know because a lot of the bros suddenly have the shocker sticker on their their pickup truck right exactly <laughs> so, so all of a sudden he was associated with that even if maybe necessarily that wasn't his yeah. total target the whole time you know Cause and I mean, then i think his most relatable stuff you know early on was like the stuff that wasn't like that at yeah all, you know like I, I like the church bit that he has yeah about not being able to <laughs> do the right thing at the right time and stuff like that. Like that's the stuff that I was like, okay, yeah, genuinely, that's real. Yeah, it's human. It was like a like a normal person would have gone through that. Whereas like when you're doing like sex jokes that just seem kind of like not funny, it's like you're being an asshole funny. Yeah. That it might be funny if you saw it happening, but someone recounting the story to get laughs. It just sounds like that guy of like, yeah, I was fucking this girl, and my friend came in and like took a photo, and it was like, fuck you, bitch, it's funny, and it's like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> that's like that. That's kind of illegal, <laughs> and it's like that's what some of it started to get like, where it was like that. You're not really being funny, and it maybe like you know what? I'm sure a bulk of what it was was just made up stuff, but he was he was playing to that side like he was writing to those that crowd and kind of alienating the original like kind of alternative crowd that maybe got him where he is and then there was the whole stealing joke thing that he got in trouble for yeah, uh, louis ck i think it was louis and um joe rogan too was the other one that they that he had issues with them <laughs> he actually on louis ck louis ck had him come on the show oh and really they did, they did a whole bit and he's like so I guess you're the only one that's ever had an itchy asshole before. <laughs> like it, it, the way it was set up was perfect. Was it on the TV show? Yeah, yeah, it was on the TV show. Uh-huh. See, I haven't, I've only watched a couple of episodes. I haven't watched as much as I want to. But I, it, it, it's just, and I think that's going to happen sometimes too. Like any comedian, like that's going to happen because it's like 
especially if you are one that cares about the craft because you're watching other comedians, you're paying attention to other comedians and you might not even realize that it came from there because it's like when we're listening to stuff, like we might say something and like, I don't know where that came from and it just kind of stays. It can be the same thing. And it's just, it's not an intentional. It's when it's intentional and it's blatant. That's when it's like, if it's line for line, that's totally different. Right. Whereas if it's just like the essence of it, yeah, it's it's so hard. Well, you know, now you have the internet to be able to play this stuff back mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah, it's kind of hard now. It's kind of a lot less forgivable because yeah, it's always out there. Yeah, you know, so so uh, and it's you know permanently recorded at some some somewhere at some point that you can find it and it's time stamped. So yeah, exactly. So it's it's so hard to say. You know, oh, okay, I didn't I didn't know yeah. about that or that sort of thing. I think like now it's I think there's almost extra work that okay, I kind of have an idea and maybe I should look and see if anyone else has done something similar, or, you know, trying to keep up on this stuff. And then at the same time, like, uh, you know, like I, I talk to and hang out with a lot of the local comedians around here and it's, you know, their, their thing too is, uh, you know, some of them have to kind of block it out because at the same time you don't want to accidentally rip them yeah. up because you're, oh, I'm watching this guy all the time and he's so funny. You're watching somebody like Louis C.K. and you, then you get influenced by it so much that your persona becomes his persona and you start making jokes like yeah. him or copying what he does because you see that it's successful. And people will call you out on that instantly. Exactly. And, and you might even be aware and of it. You have to kind of step away from it. And then at the same time, then, if you're stepping away from it, you might not realize you might have a, a joke that's real similar to somebody else and you're just both telling it around the same time. I mean, it happens. Yeah. You know? I mean, when you see that... Same inventions across the world. Oh yeah, and they don't even know each other. Yeah, and you see that a lot, like in movies. Like you get a lot of directors that get, especially in the horror realm. Like that's just kind of. I, I think it's funny because it's like that's the only. You very rarely see uh, like a comedic director like, oh, you totally ripped off. It's mostly in the horror realm. Like you don't see it in drama or things. Just like people will give Eli Roth flack or or Tarantino because like they're and and you know at least with Quentin Tarantino's you know giving him some credit of like he's open about it like look this is what because I, I remember when kill bill came out because i had did you guys ever see the color one eye the original one that that was the kill no, bill no i have not um kill bill like the the suit that uma thurman wore in kill bill and the uh the nurse though with the eye patch those characters were both kind of a split of one character in this this 70s Swedish exploitation movie called They Call Her One Eye. and a couple other names too, but it was a really fucked up movie because I have, I have the unedited version and that's like really fucked up. It's it's this, uh, I can't remember her name. She's a Swedish actress, but she's kidnapped and this drug, this, I think he was a pimp. I think that's what he was actually in the film. And he got her addicted to heroin by forcibly injecting her with heroin so that she wouldn't leave because she needed her fix. So she stayed, and then she finally she came to and stopped taking it and tried to get away. And there's a, there, well, there's a couple of scenes. There's one hardcore pornography scene spliced in the movie where it's like full penetration, and it's like neither of the actors. They just like wanted this like 70s hairy nastiness thrown in the movie. And so there's that, but then when she tries to get away, he holds her down and gets a scalpel, and it was actually all these people were in debate about it because you see a scalpel penetrate an eyeball, and it is a real eyeball. 
supposedly from a uh, local morgue, you got a cadaver. And you see it like the scalpel go right in the eyeball and you see it and it's so nasty and there's no cutaway and that then she has an eye patch on the rest. But she has she has that yellow jumpsuit with the black stripes, same exact thing from Kill Bill. He took that directly from that. And then it became this like revenge movie, like I spit on your grave and she was just going back at after everybody and stuff. And that's what that whole thing was. And like but he was open about stuff like that. And that's what that's what some of the directors when they try to like say that they're not like oh no I'm not like like Eli Roth had the Green Inferno that I think supposedly now is actually getting released this yeah, fall. Yeah, waiting on that one. That was supposed I, to come out last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been done for a while. I, the one thing I say that was cool was he, when he said when he went down how he got the natives on board with it was he showed them Cannibal Holocaust. He like got all the the natives in that area because they had they were like an untouched tribe like they didn't really know the outside, and he was trying to explain to them what he was doing, and then sat them down and screened Cannibal Holocaust for them, and that's what got them to agree to do the movie. <laughs> so I don't ever wow. see anybody being forced to watch Cannibal Holocaust going, yeah, well, let's do it. <laughs> but that's how we got them on board for that, and I, I don't know what. The idea of doing it, I like it that it's a throwback to doing those old things. And, like, that's actually Cannibal Holocaust 2 was originally called The Green Inferno. That's what I always wondered was, did he? I never watched it. So I don't know if he just basically took that and redid it. I, I have no idea because that was kind of a flop when that came out. Not that Cannibal Holocaust was a <laughs> ticket seller or anything, yeah. but it, it was just kind of, I wonder where that went. But yeah, that came out, I think it was last year. And it's been sitting. There's actually two movies. He has another one, I think, called uh, was it Knock Knock, that he was a producer on, and I think a writer. And they both just been sitting, and that's why it was weird because he has some other movie that's come out with a shark. Uh, I can't remember that Meg. Maybe they. I forget. It's this big. It's like a blockbuster like shark movie, like a big push, and everyone was like, "Where'd that come from?" Because your last two movies have been shelved for like two years. But I guess Green Inferno now is coming out this fall. I don't see it doing well because the general public does not want to see a cannibal movie. No. Horror people will go, but that's not enough to. I think too a lot of people are over the hype when it comes to Eli Roth mm-hmm. in general. You know, he's uh, from what it seems. I've never met the guy, but from what it seems is uh, his attitude has kind of burned a lot of bridges with yeah. a lot of people. Is the vibe I get from a lot of people that know him that. I don't know if he takes himself too seriously or because that, that's a kiss of death in anything is like taking yourself too seriously, especially like in a horror realm, too. It's like at the end of the day, I mean, you're bringing back a guy in a hockey mask to kill naked teenagers. Like, really, you're going to be arty about that. Like, yeah, it's just like you only take so much of it to be like, all right. And then kind of laugh about it. To be fair, I mean, he's bashing a lot of Nazi heads. That is true. That's one thing. Like that's what's one, what's yeah. funny with him is like he'll. It seems like he'll kind of go and and ruin himself and piss a lot of people off and then do something like that and then kind of redeem himself. I, I think I think uh, that was probably the uh, Tarantino helping him out. There. Yeah, yeah. That's it's so funny to see that because it's like Tarantino, Rodriguez, Eli Roth, like that whole group of all these people that are really influenced by all those seventies exploitation things. And I like that because like they're trying to bring it back. Like Tarantino, especially, like really wants to bring that back like he was influential with a lot of like Fulci movies like coming back around and like I, th- I think he has the theater out in LA now I think did he buy Cine Family or he's involved with Cine Family 
I don't remember. But there's some theater out in L.A. where they do a lot of those screenings of old th- theaters, uh, of uh, old films that he got involved in and like really just trying to bring back a lot of that, yeah. which is really cool. Like, and I, I like that. I like seeing those like those people getting involved, like, like Grindhouse releasing, put out the Beyond. And like that's awesome to see that because that was but that blew me away with that was because that was uh, Sylvester Stallone's kid started Grindhouse releasing Sage, oh, wow. the one that was in Rocky Five, the one that he died four years ago, I think it was now, three years ago. He had a heart condition, passed away, but he had started Grindhouse Releasing and went over to Italy to meet with all the people involved with Lucio Fulci to get the rights of the Beyond. Like He was really passionate about, about all those 70s exploitation films. And he had done, he did like a short film that I can't remember the name of right now. It's supposedly like unbelievably amazing. And like it's hasn't really seen the light of day other than to a handful of people they got to see and it's just kind of like sitting somewhere in limbo with rights and all that crap that's the saddest thing with like some of these older films that we're never gonna get to see because they're sitting in limbo because they've been passed around from studio to studio and who knows when we're ever gonna see them and a lot of times it's like what's the point like yeah. what do you hold on to it for it's not like it's, you're sitting on a gold mine. yeah that's why i feel like some of them it's like you you obviously don't know what to do with it yeah. so why not just like if someone's coming knocking on the door instead of saying like no, I'm going to keep it. We're going to do something with it. And then you just sit on it just to do that. And then years go by and then nobody, because that's what's going to happen. It's like no one's going to have interest. And then maybe there was some building popularity and people just gave up because it's like, well, whatever. Or they finally do put it out and it's lackluster, awful, just garbage. Why'd you bother? And then it loses its cachet and then it's dead. Yeah. And that's what's going to wind up happening with a lot of these. And it's sad to see that. I mean, like, you see that in a lot of the. Th- that's one thing I will say with like the craft beer thing. Like you don't see that kind of stuff happening. Like that, there's that passion there, and there's that art there, and it doesn't. I think that's also because it's like you can't really hold on to all this stuff. I mean, right. it's like it's gonna go bad, yeah. so you kind of got to get it out there. But you don't see a lot of that stuff happening in in that uh, nerd world of it. Like you do see a lot of people. Um, like I was talking on the radio about this week about people going to like the bottle releases and stuff, but only to get it to say they have it, not to enjoy it. And that's where I think you see some of the problems with where things are going. It's like, get it and enjoy it. Don't just have it on the shelf. There's so much of that in nerddom in general. Yeah. You know, just when, when you know, whether it's, you know, comic books or, you know, action figures or, you know, whatever, you know, where people buy stuff just because, you know, they think it's a collectible in some form or another and then they never open it and they never touch it. Yeah. It becomes the trophy cases, which is the important thing. It's not. It's not even the. I enjoy this. I want this. It's you want to show it to other people. And all you become is a weird hoarder. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Because you just. You become an organized hoarder. Yeah. Because all your money is going to be dumped into getting all this stuff. Yeah. So you're, you're, it's not like you're going to have room for a bigger house. And you're going to die anyway. Yeah, you're going to die. That you're just, yeah, you're going to sit on until you die. You know? You're going to die clutching your Stretch Armstrong doll. <laughs> <laughs> it still goes back to original shape. <laughs> if those are someone's last words, <laughs> be the, like, that, they that had would, a good life. That has to be on the tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they emboss Stretch Armstrong on the tombstone with it. Look at the actor that did the commercials in the 80s. There was an. Ad, I don't remember. Didn't they used to have like a live action Stretch Armstrong they commercial? Did. did they really? Yeah. Like a dude who like yeah, and they, 
I mean, it was like crude, like CG, like what? Oh yeah, terrible CG in those days. You know? <laughs> yeah, I remember. No, they, back then they actually really had to stretch the guy's arms. <laughs> when they like it, this, this was when they tried to like revamp him a little bit, you know, because it, it was an old toy. Yeah, and like, they brought it. I remember bringing him back. I don't remember the the live action. For us, yeah. Our generation had the best toys. Oh yeah, oh, oh definitely, undeniably. I've had those conversations with my father about that and stuff too. I'm like, I I think like being a kid in the '80s, like we had so much and like such a wide variety of like. Remember, I used to be obsessed with those muscles. Remember collecting little yeah, muscles. Oh my god. Oh, do you? They had an NES game too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I never, I never had. It was like a wrestling game, wasn't it? Yeah. It's weird too because uh, in Japan, uh, and this is one of those things you find out about on that site that I was talking about. Dinosaur Dracula because he he knows all the weird backstory for all this shit. That's awesome. I, and I read about it and it was uh, it was actually like a big like cartoon and anime and all kinds of stuff over there that has backstories for all these characters. Oh and wow! Stuff like that. And I, I had no idea. I just liked the little characters. You know, I mean, I think most Americans did. Yeah. They didn't really ship most of that stuff over there. Like I, a few years ago, they did try to revamp it. I think there was a new video game and there was like of muscles, yeah, really. Yeah, and there was actual like action figures, like like large size action figures that were more detailed and stuff. But it didn't. It just didn't take off over no, here. No, they need to be small and skin colored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so most of them were just because they were so cheap. Yeah. And, and that's why they were you know easy to collect because you could just you could afford it as a kid. You know, it's like it's I remember going down and buying. They had that huge rectangle box of them with like. I don't know, like 30 of them or something in the box, something like that. And you would just come home and then you would have to go through them all like, oh, I already have the guy with the three arms on you. Oh, I already have the two head. You have to go through like one. I, the only one that really jumps out there, I remember the guy that had like three arms on each side because I remember I used to use him to fight everybody because I think he had his top two arms were like held up in an upright position. I think I used to use him to pretend he was throwing everybody. <laughs> I think that's the only reason why. Oh yeah, they had the color ones. ones once, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of randomized, like which ones would be colored. Yeah. But like the blue wolf was my favorite, and my mom told me the story a couple years ago. She was like, you know, the one time you lost it and you couldn't find it anywhere, oh, and you were so upset. So she went out and tried to buy a whole bunch more <laughs> to try to find another blue wolf, and eventually we did. So, so I ended up with like four or five blue wolves, <laughs> so that I would never lose the. Yeah, the reserves. <laughs> Uh, that's the kind of, that's the kind of Rich lost it again. Go in the cupboard. <laughs> that was like you were like the confused kid that didn't realize that your goldfish died twenty times. <laughs> wow! And then you get older and you're telling your friends like, "Yeah, I had a goldfish for like sixteen years. It was so weird." <laughs> but his spot kept moving around. I don't know when the hell that was. About. <laughs> it was a phase where he was big for a while, <laughs> and he was he became a betta fish at some point too. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Oh, and I don't think I the fish and hermit crabs. Those are the two uh, go to for kids. And I still remember when I was a kid, I had I had hermit crabs, and uh, one of them died. I still tell the story to my mother all the time because it's so funny. Because one of them died, but I didn't really. I, well, supposedly I should I should preface it with that one of them supposedly died, but my mother hated me having those things because they stunk and they were terrible pets because they didn't do a damn thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, all I remember because where we live, like we had an embankment behind the house. And I remember her going, oh, this one's dead, and taking out and just fucking <laughs> shucking it over the embankment. 
And I still to this day don't know. I think she might have just been sick of me having them and just said, oh, it's dead. Oh, but she dead. was she was so quick to just go, oh, look, it's dead. <laughs> right over. So I don't know. But that was, those are the best pets. I mean, like, those are the go-tos. It was hamsters, uh, hermit crabs. Oh, yeah, the guinea pigs. I had one of those, too. And that was like, but they were like, oh, not really. They didn't care about you. They didn't care one bit about you. And I remember, like, when you have fish when you're a kid, you're always tapping on the tank, like, oh, come on, pay attention to me. <laughs> like, they have Why no don't idea. You love me? Yeah. <laughs> Can you come out and, like, hug me or something? Like, they have no idea what's going on. They're just there. But, like, when you're a kid, you think, like, oh, it's my pet. And then you, you try, like, uh, I don't know if you were the thing on the tank, like, you try, like, pretend like you're petting it, like, rubbing your finger on the right. side of the tank. And, like, you're a stupid idiot. <laughs> but, like, but we all did it. We we're all stupid kids, and that's what we thought we had to do. But uh, we just finished the bottle of Black is the New Wit. Well, George and I did. It's uh, a Terrapin. <coughs> oh, it's empty. We're good. It's a Terrapin New Belgium collaboration. It's really nice, though. But I just wanted to throw that out there because we actually enjoyed two during the show. Yeah, yeah, it's nice because, I mean, the, the wit beard is usually like a really light summery one, but this is kind of like a, a real dark malt characteristic, but it still comes through as a wit, which was good. It, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, but it's, really, it's a really super enjoyable. I've had this one sitting in the fridge for a bit, and I just keep trying to figure out a time to... And today was the day to Today was it. the day to crack it open. I was just seeing what was in the fridge up here instead of going downstairs, and uh, that's what we want. Yeah, the puns and the... yeah. That's where a lot of them are starting to go. And that, that's kind of the one thing I, I will say that kind of, and I get forced into it too with some of my writing sometimes because like publishers will grab a hold of it and then they'll twist the headline to be beer punny because that's just, for some reason, that's just what it's, it has to be. I don't know where that rule came from, yeah, but you have to. You you have to have some kind of pun within it or something and, and so just. Bad. It'll fade out after a while. I think it's also breweries have to be running out of names at some point because it's hard to kind of just go by. You, it's kind of hard to go by the style, like just putting the name of the brewery and then oh IPA because you'll still see breweries will do that, but it's uh, they're trying to be a little more inventive because there are already a lot that have that out there. So you kind of got to figure out oh, what yeah. the hell you're gonna do. You just have to. You just have to be careful not to get sued. Oh, that's the other thing is that's if you look up that stuff, that's where that that's the thing to get into now. If you want to get into like copyright law and get into craft beer, that's where you will make a ton of money because there are so many lawsuits going on now and laws with with states and different things and fighting against all that stuff. And like just a couple of weeks ago, New Hampshire banned uh, babies on bottles on yeah, beer bottles. They, they altered the founder's breakfast up there. Do they, they alter it? Like, they were putting like tape over the covers. Of yeah, they they did. But the, it was funny because it was the governor, and the the reason being was like you're promoting drinking to minors. Like, what baby is looking at a bottle going, "Oh, I'm, I'm gonna get drunk." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just such a stupid. Thing, but that's where a lot of like that's the fun thing to look up to is just like lawsuits that happen at a state level with within beer because it's just like these people are paid to do this. <laughs> Yeah. Somehow they make money doing this. The uh, the guys from uh, Three Guys and a Beard, a local brewery, were on the NHAC podcast a few weeks ago, and they told the story about how they they have a new one called uh, Chuhapa, mm. and it's a play on Chewbacca, and uh, the the logo uh, they had to be very specific. 
specific about what they could include on it because you know Lucasfilm is you know now especially they're owned by Disney and no oh, yeah oh yeah worse. so they sat on the phone for hours and hours uh, with Lucasfilm uh, oh did they actually go through with it yeah, oh actually, god like, talked to 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 Lucasfilm and talked about like what they could and couldn't do and they said they were pretty cool like once they got like sat through the whole process of it and everything like they were actually pretty cool about it and said more or less like you know you can't include specific things like uh the the character that they have on it that resembles chewbacca but he's made out of hops like you know like how he's big and hairy yeah so they made it out of like like it looks like like he's made out of the the, the physical hops but they said you can't include the uh the sachet the, yeah the, the sash wears, sachet the <laughs> that he wears across yeah yeah across because that's what makes him Chewbacca like that's what makes him recognizable as Chewbacca mm. with the copyright so if you take that away then we're kind of okay with where you're going with it so that's, they did and that's it, to, you know it, it just enough that you're like okay I get yeah. what they're doing with the label but not enough that it infringes on the Star Wars the, I think that's why we don't see more movie references in beer because like because to me, like the one I, I'm surprised and I'm hoping nobody goes and takes this now, but you know the Jodorowsky film El Topo, I still want someone to do El Hapo, <laughs> and just like have the gunslinger with a hop head. Because I already have the awesome. label in my head. I'm like that'd be a perfect beer, and I can't see Jodorowsky giving a shit about anything. No, so I'm like that was one I, I thought of that a while ago, and then another one I said to you about having a phantasm beer and just call it Boy. That's <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> just figure out whatever style you want for that, because to me those two would be so awesome to see. Because I, I would love to see like there's, there's some breweries I think they're starting to get into like the horror thing. And I'd like to see like more of that because that's just like, a really cool combo of those two two worlds coming together. Because it's like you you're getting like nerd worlds are uniting. Because a lot of the other stuff in in that world they're not going to be cool with you like the Lucasfilm thing. You're going to see a lot of that because there's so much trademark bogged down in that stuff. By thinking of horror, there's a little bit more of a collaboration effort. Like you see that a lot more of the directors and writers like working together. Yeah, because it's more of a cult thing, and they yeah. know that that's what kind of keeps it alive. Yeah, and I think like you're going to see some of that hopefully at some point because I, I, that to me is just like a no brainer to go into that direction. Yeah. But uh, I think our glasses are all empty. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, we'll wrap this one up. But if you want to get in touch with any of us, you could hop on nepacene.com. Shoot us that one. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm Derek Warren Beer. If you want to shoot me on Twitter, well, don't shoot me. If you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, I don't know. Maybe people want to shoot me. But uh, I think we'll wrap it up until next week. Yeah, don't message me on Facebook. <laughs> Perfect way to dismount. Anything from you, George? Um, I'm still thinking about opening up my MySpace again to see if I can add <laughs> any PA scene to it. All right. Yeah, it. You can find us all on MySpace. <laughs> all right. Till next week. Cheers.